Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful, your spot for everything Dynamo. I'm your host, the Sinsky Man, and with me tonight are Jake. Producer Ian is clearly playing video games while he's sitting in on this meeting. He doesn't even care about this team. It's Assassin's Creed, for those of you that care. Kyle. Pick a better game, Ian. That game's like 30 years old. And Scroggins. The video game's great, but have you seen the movie? We're discussing the preseason so far. Team news and soccer news in general. Seps is scoring so much, you'd think he was in a kill count challenge with Legolas. So let's put on our shooting boots and get to it. Jake, do you owe this man an apology? Talk to me about that Chivas screaming. <laughs> I don't owe any players apologies, no. But I am very happy to see that he is scoring in preseason. And I hope that he keeps it up as the preseason keeps going. He's had a, a great three games against some lower league sides and some reserve sides. and. That's what preseason is for. It's for finding rhythm with the team. So I'm not upset about the the level of opponent. We played against Chivas, but we, we need to specify here. We played against Chivas the day after they played a game with their first team. We didn't scrimmage against any of their starters. It was mainly, we can only assume it was mainly backup players, maybe some unused substitutes, probably more reserves and some youth players. But Sebas put a goal in the back of the net off of a left wing play from brad smith so we love to see it we love to see him scoring and we certainly hope he keeps it up yeah that's not the only game seb has scored in kyle talk to me about our game against texos i apologize texos? for any spanish-speaking i'm fame. sorry what okay how would you say that Jake? <laughs> i don't see an x in this word producer this, ian is no longer playing noun. video games we pulled him in yeah <laughs> he's he came sprinting back into the room to uh <laughs> correct Sinsky in the chat here so yeah i mean i i I think it's closer to maybe tecos tecos i don't think there's an x in the pronunciation but we had a scrimmage against another team probably a very similar setup to jake's description of the chivas game but it's a reported 3-1 win with sebas bagging two goals that is a brace in the soccer world of terminology so the guy just can't stop scoring and this game had as far as the limited highlights we saw, this game had a lot. A, I don't know if you guys caught this. Tate Schmidt playing on the right side of the pitch with an assist to D2 player Zeke Soto. The filthiest cutback. I, I mean, I don't Dirty. think I can oversell how he did the like old school Ronaldo behind the leg chop move and brought it back as a selling feint to the defender. And then set up a through ball assist to a running in Zeke Soto. Like it was so clean. And I didn't realize Tate Schmidt had this in his locker. And I'm so oh, no. excited to have him back. And I swear to God, if that San Jose player injures him again this season, <laughs> I will <laughs> burn. I will throw San Jose into the ocean. Somebody and, pull up the roster. He's not allowed to play that day. Yeah. So yeah, I think this game was fun uh, as far as what we saw. And again, probably a very mixed bag of lineups from the other the other side. And our side as well. We, we've seen a lot of post-match interviews in the, the next game that you'll talk about. But Kenny Bundy and a lot of the D2 folks traveled to Mexico. So we're, we're seeing like a 45 minutes with the first team, 45 minutes with most of reserve players, academy guys, D2 guys. So I think it's good that we're getting that mix. But, you know, so it... it Take everything with a grain of salt as far as the score lines go. Yeah, it's preseason in general. Jake, you had some to add? 
Oh, yeah, just giving context to the team that we're playing. It's a third division side in Mexico. So they're they're the third tier. This is a team that we're supposed to beat. But again, we're developing rhythm. I can't remember if, if Kyle mentioned this, but we had assists for Sevis's brace from Coco Carasquilla and Griffin Dorsey. So two of our most beloved players. So it's good to see them on the team sheet. I can say this from the highlights that, that I've seen from the games, from this one in particular. Coco looks to be going full tilt, full, full speed. And that's what you want to see from players getting ready for preseason. Practicing at half speed is practicing to fail, but this boy is going absolute full speed and you love to see it. Oh, a little yeah, bit of old coach. Something Kenny's, sorry, Sinski, that just reminded me something Kenny Bunny said in his post game interview after today's game, which you'll be listening to this, not today. So time is relative. But he said, Something to the effect of they use these games not as opportunities to just kind of like slowly integrate players, but to push players and to see what they're capable of and really put them to the test and see who's going to step up and who wants to take a, you know, take a chance and make a spot theirs, especially these young guys, but then even some of the newcomers as well. So it's cool to see these, you know, Coco's assist was very classic Coco, like gritty, hard one battle, quick ball to seven yeah. for a tap in Griff playing in his natural you know right side attacking flank position it looked really good so liking what i'm seeing from uh from the limited highlights we're getting yeah absolutely real quick question for scroggins before we jump to the leonis game do you think that ben has a lot of positions up in the air and that players are have a lot of room to fight for these spots or do you think he's we saw a very conservative ben last year i feel like when it came to roster spots and playtime yeah, I think he was pretty consistent with his with his eleven last year, but he also showed like the propensity to to adapt. And once a guy established himself, like he had to be displaced. Like I think of Mikhail, like you know when when teenage came back, teenage wasn't just handed the spot. So in the this moment in stage in preseason, you would expect. I mean, I, I would guess that Ben is just letting it be open hunting season and on those open roster spots, the starting 11, rather. So I think he's probably letting them battle it out. If if Tate Schmidt is playing on the right, then it looks like he's he's tinkering with some he's tinkering with some some formation stuff. Because if memory serves me, Tate's a left a left footer, left back, but I don't know. Like I, I it he must be playing around with stuff or maybe because of the D2 players being mixed in, they had to just shift some things around. But I would assume that, that Ben is using this time to, to test players and allow players to battle for, for uh, starting level spots. Cool. If you so, can invert a position, we are going to be inverting a position. We're just turning the game on its head. We got left-footed right-backs. We got right-footed left-backs. We got in-cutting <laughs> left-wingers. We got a forward that I'm going to stop. Yeah, don't forget. Uh, Forwards that don't Tarbell score goals, they only defend. We'll do it all. Tarbell's training for his striker position coming up soon. So, Scroggins, with all that, why don't you go ahead, talk to us about the Leonis game. Yeah, that game was today. I'm remembering that correct, right? Like, at, yep. as the at the time of recording. So, we played against Leonis, and we apparently lost 5-3. Rumor is that the first team won their phase of the game. Second team kind of dropped the ball. Rumor also is, because we have like limited highlights from Instagram and quality ain't great, but it, what we heard was that Sevis, Brooklyn Reigns, and, and our new signee, Karen Sargent, scored. 
Kieran's goal has been posted on social media because it's a beautiful, beautiful goal. It was kind of like top side of the the 18 yard box, although uh, it kind of sometimes if you squint funny, it looks like it was from half like from midfield, (laughs) but it's actually not. It it is from the box. And then some of the. Uh, yeah, there you know there was I've seen discussion online, but but it's clearly from inside the box. Still, great goal. Aliyu had an assist to Sebas, and yeah, I think that's just about all there is to cover there. But I think the the thing that I'm taking away from this preseason Zinski, and and thanks for asking this question, is <laughs> it looks like it looks like Sebas is humbled. I think like sending him off on loan. Where he went to, you know, some team in Brazil. I can't even remember what team it was, but God rest their souls. They got relegated. He contributed nothing, right? He had a really rough year, like his one year in Houston. Like it was really, really hard under Naga. And then, you know, he goes to Brazil, really tough loan. And then he sees our team excel without him, knowing him, knowing that he's a better quality striker than Corey Baird, than Aliu. And and hopefully, I think who was it? Somebody said it last week that that they thought that Sevis would come back. Sinsky, Sinsky said it. Sinsky said that Sevis would probably come back humbled. And I, a great call. I I'm hoping that's what we're seeing is a humbled Sevis that's willing to buy into the team ethic, the team strategy because he he saw it produce. So that that's what I think we're seeing this off season, this preseason rather. Kyle, jump in on that. Talk to me. Yeah, I think that the Sebas conversation needs to happen. So we're going to keep it going here. I would love for the truth to be a happy middle ground of Sebas rising to Ben's work ethic that he wants in a forward and Ben slash the team coming to grips with the fact that if you can give the ball to Sebas in the box, he's very likely to put it on target and he may even score some goals. And I, Jake, you said this in soccer text the other day, and I've not stopped thinking about it, about being desperate for goals. I just want people on our team that score goals left, right, and center. And Sebas, I think, can probably do that. And he did it fairly well without creative influence on the pitch in, you know, two seasons ago. He did have Darwin Quintero, but that guy was ancient and didn't play all the time. Now you're looking at, Playmakers out wide, you know, I think Aliyu has a good opportunity to step up. You've got Bossy, you've got Sebekovalchik, you've got Griffin Dorsey, my goodness, the legend himself feeding balls into the box. Just, I hope that they can find a happy middle ground where everybody is happy with each other and they're all putting in the work and we just start scoring goals like it's, like it's nothing, like it is part of our ethos. We're no longer the team that just hustles everywhere. We do that, and we also put a lot of bol- a lot of goals in the back of the net because we have a, a striker in the box who knows how to do that. Yeah, Pat actually said in an interview that Sebis should be spending more time in the box and that he spent too much time going out to midfield and trying to collect the ball and that he's not as effective there. Jake, jump in on this Sebis conversation. I, I know a lot of... A lot of interviews with Ben and Pat, they've they've mentioned that Sebas now is coming into a team that knows who they are. Um, yeah. That that's not trying to figure out an identity. That's not trying to figure things out. He's also coming into a locker room that has an established culture. It's kind of a weird thing where I think the the team last year benefited from not having the distraction and being able to 
kind of come together and to, to a little bit adopt the identity of Hector Herrera. Like there was mm. no distraction from that. We're going to be a hardworking side. We're going to play a possession game. Um, also, tactically, I think we figured out our midfield. We we have, I will stand by this, one of the, if not the best midfields in MLS. Strike um, out the one of the and just stick with... The absolutely. Like, we're team. remarkable yeah. at this point. I think that the, our midfield play is remarkable. And we find ourselves in a situation where, I'm, I'm afraid to say this, but hold-up play from our striker is actually a little bit less necessary now because... The other nine outfield players play together so well. I think that as long as Sebas can do simple things and and move the ball off of his feet well, when he's not in the box, when we're trying to play out of out of our attack, out of our defending third, and then just get free in the box, I think that we're going to have a good season. And delighted to see him putting goals in the back of the net. Yeah, I'm really hopeful for a resurgence to his first season here with us, and I. Because it that was the missing piece last season, right? Was just getting the ball into the back of the net, creating chances and scoring off of those chances. We didn't make a ton of chances. We didn't score a lot of those chances. It took a while for the chances to start happening. But I think this year that's not going to be the case. And if Sebas can say, I'm the guy and I can put these goals in, we are going to be a dominant team. Otherwise, Pat's going to have a lot of work for the summer window. All right, and with all of that going on with Sebis, there are other players now who have kind of gone missing, whether injury or paperwork issues or, I don't know, being held captive in countries or something. What is going on? Just a lot to talk about. So, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Hector Herrera, injured. Hector Herrera is injured. I also hope that nobody's being held captive in their home countries. <laughs> we aren't sure. That's the thing. We don't know. That, <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. It's a I have no idea what's going situation. on. But That's Hector one Herrera of the possibilities is, right now. <laughs> as far as we can tell, HH has a legitimate, you know, a a, re- a reason to be missing the beginning of season is that he's picked up an unfortunate injury. This is a bit old news at this point, but it's it's fresh news for the Dynamo faithful because we didn't cover it last week. HH is a big, a very big missing point for us at the start of the season. He's led our, he, he set a team record for assists last season. He is yep. our creative playmaker. He is everything that, that happens on our team. It goes through HH. Even down to every single set piece that happens in our side of the field. I don't know if you guys noticed this. The dude takes every free kick, no matter where. If it's not a goal kick, he's taking the set piece. And Penalties. we run it like a and real set piece. Maybe we should have him take the goal kicks. I'm not opposed to that idea. <laughs> I mean, if he could, yeah, if we're looking to get goal-scoring opportunities everywhere, we should start from the goal kick. So, yeah, HH is a big miss. However, Ben has talked about this. Many of the the team members from the Dynamo have talked about this, that it's an opportunity, right? It's a challenge. It is a chance for players to step up. It's a chance for them to kind of come together preseason, figure some things out, understand that it's not the end of the world. His injury is not a season-ending injury. As far as we can tell, it's not a career-ending injury. Yes, the man is ancient. However, he's not as old as he actually appears to be. So maybe he's still got some life in those legs. And he should come back. I think some of the rumors are sometime between like March and April. Like It's not going to be way late into the season. We should see him relatively soon. So good minutes for other people to step up. But hopefully we'll, we'll see him back on the pitch sooner than later. 
Yeah, Hector Herrera, we at the Dynamo Faithful are praying for a quick healing. Jake, do we need to put out a bolo on Caicedo? Because he is literally nowhere to be seen. Bolo for you NCIS fans is be on the lookout. Cool. I number one. I didn't know that there were still NCIS fans. That's great to hear that they're still around. I tell you what. This just uh, in. Chris Sinsky is retired. Okay, actually, this is a great segue into something I wanted to say to Kyle. That ancient Ache Ache is noticeably younger than probably three fifths, maybe four fifths of uh, of this podcast right now. So maybe let's dial back on calling that man ancient. He is uh, one day apart in age, by the way. And you are the youngest person in this group, I think. It's true. Well, anywho, Kaiseto, um, listen. The news about Hector being hurt broke in this like weird impromptu interview that our, our GM Pat Onstad gave with the legend Glenn Davis. And it was I was listening to it on the way home and I was I was like, this is terrible. My life is over. How do I look my wife in the face right now when all I'm thinking about is Hector Herrera is hurt and he, he is our team. And then he just like so he's like, oh, I almost forgot to say this. Yeah, slipped my mind. But. Caicedo, Luis Caicedo, our first midfielder off the bench, great sub, comes and helps us control games. Yeah, he went home to Colombia in the offseason to take care of some family stuff. And then he explained nothing but said, we can't get him out of Colombia. So Caicedo seems, seems to be gone after what looked like it was going to be a great comeback season for him. Yeah, not not. Not with the team, not in camp. Our midfield in that one interview, I went from thinking like we've got great midfield depth to like, oh my gosh, who's gonna play? What are we gonna do? Didn't this happen last season? Somebody got stuck like because of visa issues or something. Like we went to Mexico to play some games and we came back and not everybody could come back or something. Am I imagining? I don't think so i think that we had players working on green cards around the time of the mexico trip last year maybe that's what it was yeah i, I know that it, what you said might also be true but i don't remember and all right well he he is stuck perhaps kidnapped perhaps just helping out with family perhaps it's paperwork issues who knows what the deal is with caicedo but we know exactly what happened to babyface nelson quinones scroggins why don't you fill us in for those who do not know Guys, this is sad for real. You know, Nelson was, Nelson was probably our breakout star of the season. I think either him or, or Griff, but you know, anybody that's been following this pod, we all saw on this pod, we saw Griff coming from a mile away. Nelson, I didn't, I didn't expect him to, to blossom quite like he did. And anyway, it's, it's just really ugly. He went up to hit a ball and just came down funny on his knee. And all the reports are that it's pretty bad. And when when Pat talks about it, it, it sounds pretty grim. They said that they're not going to really make any statements or anything till they get him up to Houston and have the team doctors and stuff look at him. But it, this is the one that hurts hurts me the most because we have so many question marks at that striking attacking position. You know that that line and Nelson was the one guy I was thinking. Well, at least we've got him. At least we know that he he will be there to to attack the goal and drive forward. But, but yeah, I don't know what it is about Columbia that they hate us. They, you know, like they stole Juan Castilla from us. Uh, we could really have used some depth at, at D mid, you know, they've convinced Caicedo to not return for whatever reason. 
And then, you know, Nelson gets called up last minute kind of call up to the U22s and 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 picks up a significant injury in a year when he would really be kicking on and 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 taking off. So it's really sad and and we just hope for the best like I'm I'm tempted to you know, send a couple thousand dollars to Benny Hinn and fly him in on a plane and go pray for Nelson or something, Can't you know, hurt. whatever it takes. <laughs> oh, that I thought he was gospel. disgraced. He always was, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> was he ever graced? All right. Before we get too political here, the Dynamo faithful, Kyle, bossy <laughs> shooting some Instagram pictures from Paris, the capital of France. What's yeah. going on there? I thought he should be in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very likely what Jake said, him just taking care of business and getting his green card stuff figured out so that he can stick around and keep slotting in from the penalty spot, as they say. <laughs> and uh, it is reported that that people have messaged him and he has confirmed that that's why he's there. And he was featured in today's hot or cold coffee video that the Dynamo posted. And this was actually the first video where I felt a little bit like Jake, where I did some like investigative journalism <laughs> to figure out. Because if you watch this video, which was a great video, by the way, Eric Sviatchenko had the most like European answer. He's like, hot, flat, white. I was like, yes, thank you, Eric. You I get that from Starbucks when I've got a gift card. Nordic man. I feel like he um, is concerned that people will forget that he's European <laughs> and he takes every <laughs> opportunity to remind him. Yes. But like, and everybody has their answer. And then Bossy's like cut of the video is just oddly different. And I was like, maybe they like had some him send a video and he had the same like training gear. But then, okay, this is where it gets weird. It's I was already paying weird. attention to like the interviewer had with a little microphone interviewing everybody. She, I'm assuming she had the same like color fingernails painting and everything. So I'm like, it's <laughs> gotta be the same day, the same place. Bossy in Mexico confirmed. We should have no problems. He's back. Oh, or, or they shot early. No. Nope. Yeah. This nope. video is, was shot three days ago. <laughs> nope. I believe that it was all concurrently <laughs> shot. It was a one shot take. Like, 1917 or 1918 whichever world war one movie that was it's all one take it's that like Birdman, but dynamo confirmed. but even even if it was one one shot couldn't it have been done pre him traveling to no Paris i think i think it was a live video i think i caught the live video <laughs> on twitter <laughs> so i wow. think bossy's in mexico that's that's all i'm gonna say our friends at the Washington Post are about to try and like headhunt you and and take you off of our pod and put you into their lineup, man. He's getting headhunting and yeah. taken out. Wow. Okay, Jake, this news has got to be something that excites you. It's not just players missing. We have finally confirmed a signing. Jan, or is it Ann with a silent J, Gregus, has been made official. I've been reading that as Jan for a very long time. Um, Old Jan Gregus. It could be yeah. off. Very that possible. Might be the that worst I'm wrong. one you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong more often than I care to admit, but I I think it's Jan Gregus. It, Jan Gregus is somebody that works at a <laughs> bank in Iowa. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, a we day then. Jan, we got a nice signing for the dash, I guess, named Jan. Okay, Jan Gregus. We picked him up out of free no agency. No way, it's Grey Goose. That's an alpha. It's Grey Goose. 
It's Grey Goose. Grey Goose. You just say it with an accent, it sounds right. That's how I live my life. That's not going to happen. I don't even know what to say about Jan anymore. <laughs> I feel like I've been broken. This bit has thrown me off. But uh, he is an MLS veteran. He had a pretty long stint over at Minnesota, where he was he was brought over from Europe. That stint at Minnesota was very good. He He put quite a few assists on the board for that team. I think he was a real nuisance in several games here against Houston as well. In the past few years, he's also played in San Jose and Nashville. In those years, he's been a little bit quieter on the score sheets. But looking at his stats profile, his scouting profile on FB Ref, he he seems to be a great possession midfielder. Lots of progressive passes, very, very high pass percentage, completion percentage. I think he's going to slot into the way that we play very, very well. Um, so for me, by the way, seeing that he was in camp, this was kind of an, an interesting thing. He was seen in another player's like social media story. People were like, oh, hey, that's Jan. That's that's Jan Gregus. And and then I think today, Leonis posted a photo with him in it from the game. And Houston was probably just like, well, I guess we got to announce it now because it's out there. Everyone can see it. And but this does seem to be the final nail in the coffin of Caicedo. He's yeah. If we're signing Gregus with our cap situation, it seems that he would be a Caicedo replacement. Not necessarily in position, because Gregus plays a little bit more of an eight than a six, a little bit more attacking than than just straight destroying. But definitely that roster position of like experienced MLS veteran midfielder, he seems to be taking that spot. Gotcha, gotcha. In my defense, Shakespeare once wrote, what's in a name? If a rose weren't called a rose, would it not smell as sweet? So, Jan, please forgive me. I'm sure you're still a great footballer, even if I call you Jan. Okay. His name isn't Rose either, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you didn't like that pronunciation, Scroggins, you're really going to hate this one. Femi Adosu. How's that going? What are you thinking? Yeah, Femi Awadosu, I would assume, was he was highly touted. If anybody saw, I mean, I think Jake from Dynamo Faithful tweeted about about a couple days ago, and that's the one that that Asher responded to. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he so said, did, thanks, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> did you print that it. out and frame it yet? <laughs> yeah, it's on my wall. Coming soon to our merch store. T-shirts with that <laughs> response tweet from thanks, Asher. Jake. Thanks, Jake. But no, he he was highly touted. They everyone thought he would go high in in the draft. I'm not clear on the reason why he didn't. I would assume that it's the MLS and that's why. But he was trialing with the team and then on his own YouTube channel because that's the age we live in now. He posted that he had been offered a contract. He didn't specify which team and we have not seen any news of him signing a contract for the the dynamo side of things but it looks like we're trying to bring him on board which i think would be another major get as far as like depth goes and, and building for the future imagine the scenes if it's not a dynamo contract and he's just like toying with all of us that would be the worst it seems very clear that the dynamo did offer him a contract like he in that video he talked about being in houston the skyline was in the video. He talked about training first with the second team, then with the first team. And then he was like, "It." I'm not sure if he explicitly said the Dynamo gave me a contract offer, but it was very clear that that's what's happened. 
So if he doesn't sign it, dead to me. If he signs it, good luck, man. I'm rooting for you. We're all in your corner, Femi. We're here for you. Kyle, Elise rumors. Ben says it's just a rumor. How does your heart feel? Oh, I trust Ben with my life. So if it's if Ben says it's a rumor, it's a rumor. I, I will not follow. I will not allow myself to even consider the threat that would be Albert Elise coming in on the right side. I will not even allow myself to think back to the glory years of La Pantorita tearing teams apart, goal scoring, assisting, sprinting down the field, crawling towards the corner flag in celebration of the goal that he just scored. I cannot allow myself to even consider the possibilities because we as a podcast will never stop talking about how good Albert Elise was and how good he could be in this team. Mm. And I think he would dominate, absolutely dominate if he came back to this league. All right. Big question of the day. We're hearing all this talk about players not being ready or not in the team anymore. How do you set up your starting lineup at the beginning of the season? No Hector, Casado gone. We got this guy named Yan. Scroggins, what do you do? You're belligerently not getting that right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, say it right, and I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't know He's, what you're talking about. Roses are roses. One day we're going to try and get him on the podcast as an interview, and he's just going to be like, no, absolutely not. I heard what you said. Don't hate me. <laughs> yeah, setting up the team, I, I actually don't think it's that bad. I mean, we're not having HGH, you know, for that first season, or for the first you know, part of the season is, is going to be it's going to be tough to get over but we do have a little bit of depth we can move coco back into the double pivot slot where ache ache was and that's more coco's more natural position and then we have this this you know you know the polish messi we have sebes kowalczyk and yeah. and he can slot right in to where coco was playing if we're maintaining the the three box three kind of formation so i i think i would that that's the midfield for me. It, it would be Kowalczyk, Bossy, Artur, and Coco, and then my back line would be Escobar, Mikhail, Sviachinko, and Griffin Dorsey, and then the regular, and then the attacking two, like the two up top. Like I think I'd put Aliu on the left so that he could attack wide. I think that's actually more of his natural position especially cutting in on his right. And then Sebas Ferrer up top. And and that's how I'd set this team up. Actually, it makes more sense to me, and I've, I've put this in the chat, but I, it makes more sense for me for us to play something more like a 3-4-2-1, kind of what Leverkusen is playing, because it gets our, our players into the positions that we use them in more quickly instead of having the weird shifting that would have to go on. But, you know, that's, you know, formation are just a starting point the attacking patterns is what really matters so interesting jake give me your lineup well first i want to say that i would do exactly what scroggins said in terms of the three box three right the the box midfield with coco at the back with artur and then bossy and and uh Koval- kovalchik as the the top of the box and i do think the the 
what, what the three four two one slash lopsided three 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 that we play. I do think that's a bit academic, but what I do want to say is that regardless of what any of us would do, I think the indications coming out of preseason are that Coco is going to stay as that advanced midfielder. I don't know if that's because Ben thinks that Hector won't be out for super long and so he doesn't want to mess up the rhythm or if he sees the role that Coco plays up higher in the pitch is really important to how we play, how we possess the ball, which I think there's an argument for that. I just would love to see him not be doo-doo going into the box. He's been playing from what we can tell. He's been playing Brooklyn Reigns in Hector Herrera's position. Now, I, I don't think he's expecting Brooklyn Reigns to be Hector Herrera. And in fact, I think one of his quotes out of uh, one of the recent press conferences was, you don't replace Hector Herrera. Like right. there's, you, you just don't do it. Personally, I think if you're going to try, you should you should use the other midfielder on our team to win the best player award at a gold cup because we have two and they play the same position. But I think Ben sees it as you you replace them in parts. Right. And I think he's showing a vote of confidence to, to Brooklyn, which is cool. He's he seems to be playing with the starters in that spot. What's going to be interesting for me during this stretch, because I, I, for me, it's a foregone conclusion. Coco plays where he played last year mm-hmm. is to see if Jan or uh, Brooklyn wins that that Hector spot for the time that Hector's out. Yeah, I think I agree with that pretty wholeheartedly that Coco should probably play in that Hector spot, but he's not doing that. And I think it's also a vote of confidence to Coco saying, Hey, I thought you could play this position last year. I thought you did a good job, and I think you're going to do it again this year. Instead of like saying, no, it didn't work out. I'm going to move you back here. He's going to say, no, I liked it, and you're doing great. You can keep building up. Your final product will get better. Shots will get better. Passes will get better up in the box, and it's going to work out. But it just doesn't make any sense to me because Coco can play that position. He said you can't replace Hector, except we have a guy who on paper seems like he should be replacing Hector and we're not doing it. So just, you know, I'm not Ben and Ben got us to the playoffs. So I can't argue too hard on that, but I will a little bit, you know, come on, Ben, put Hector there. Let's let new Seba play in that spot and make it happen. Kyle, what about you? We've all had our say. Give us yours. I think you nailed it by saying that you're not Ben and I'm also not Ben. So I'm going to go ahead and just have fun with it and put out a lineup that I know is not going to happen. But it's it's kind of close. It, I'm going to throw out my preferred formation, which is a 4-2-3-1. Pochettino employed it brilliantly at Tottenham in our glory years where we still didn't win anything. Yeah, how is that really close? Years? I'm confused. We got real close, Sinski. Best defense in the league. but. I like the 4-2-3-1 because I do like the double pivot and I I would love to see Coco and Artur play side by side in the double pivot. I would also like to see Tate Schmidt and Griffin Dorsey get to play on the field at the same time. So I'm putting Tate out on the left, Griff on the right, and then I'm playing Bossy. Tate for Tate. I, I like what I'm seeing from Tate Schmidt. I'm playing Bossy at the 10 as our central attacking mid slash shadow striker as FIFA once called it. I'm going to play Aliyu out left. I'm going to play Seba 
outright and Sebus at the top. So Bossy and Seba Kovalchik are going to get to kind of interchange that attacking position because Bossy, we saw him do a lot last season. He pulled out of the middle and he he went out wide to create. And then he snuck into the box as a, you know, kind of a sneaky little runner. And then Aliyu, like Scroggins mentioned, to stretch the lines and and take people on from out wide. I don't, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. It's not going to happen. I get that. I'm fine with it. But I just love the 4-2-3-1 formation and I'd like to see it happen. I wanted to see it happen with Thor last season too. I wanted to see him play up top and we put a lot of attacking pieces behind him. But we didn't ever do that. So Sebus is going to get the chance this time in my preferred formation. You just benched Escobar. I know I did. And I felt a little <laughs> bit bad about it. But let me go back about 30 minutes ago to the Tate Schmidt Chop back. Yeah, that was fire. The guy is unreal skilled. And with him and Griff on the field together, pushing the flanks at the same time, like, oh, man, come on now. Mikael, Mikael can cover anything. I trust Mikael with everything, too. So <laughs> we don't need Escobar back there to help cover defensively because we have Mikael. And Ben would find a way to get Escobar on the pitch anyway. You know, it would happen. Escobar would, would find a way to get himself on the pitch. For yeah, sure. he'd probably like <laughs> Getting a fight in training to injure the guy ahead of him. So who knows? Hey. Who knows? All right. Last little bit of team news. What do you guys think of the new hashtag? Just give me a give me a love it, like it, hate it response. No explanation. Hustling for more. Scroggins, what do you think? I feel about it the same way that I feel about Memo Rodriguez signing for Sporting Kansas City. He loves it. Okay, Kyle. I am neutral on the hashtag. It neither moves nor detracts for me. Two answers. Neither one answers I said were giveable. Great. Jake, <laughs> what do you think? It's no forever orange. That's the correct answer. It's also it's also not here we go orange, which is what it should have been. Which is perfect. absolutely right? what it should be. So we all hate it and wish it was here we go orange. None of us said we hate it. None of us said that, Sinski. All three of you, I'm pretty sure. I, I did. I absolutely did. Oh, that's I funny. wish they had spelled it hustle because when I used it the two times that I've used it, I put hustle and me using the wrong hashtag is embarrassing. So I wish they had just spelled hustle correctly <laughs> so that I wouldn't look like a doofus. And instead, the person using correct language looks like the doofus. This is like when Kanye and Wilson Rain or what, whatever Dwight from the office's name is did that lyrics thing and Kanye West said you instead of yeah and didn't get the points and it's his song. Anyway, moving on. World Cup Wilson news. Wilson Rain. Is that his name? Wilson yeah. Shroot, Shroot Dwight. Is it Rain Wilson? Why is his first name his last name? His last name first name. I don't get it. Why was he rapping with Kanye? Like, it was for a TV show. Alright. I don't Anywho. believe in TV Probably also for charity, because whenever you have celebrities on shows, they have to give the money away. Well, they would hate to look like they're rich. Anyway, World Cup news. How many times can I say anyway in five Woo! minutes? Producer Ian's probably keeping track. Guys, Houston is hosting seven matches for 2026 World Cup. Can y'all believe that? That's going to cost us all like 10 grand each to go to these games, because I'm going to every single one. Kyle, give me the layout for that structure. Can do, Sinski man. And I'm I am pumped. I'm right there with you. I will I've already agreed. Well, I won't say my wife has agreed, but I have made made it clear that we will 
spare no expense to attend attend some of these games. So we got some time to figure that out financially. We probably won't recover, but it's going to be great. We, we're hosting seven matches, as you mentioned. We got five group stage games, and we've got one round of 32 match, and then a pretty hot one round of 16 match as well. And that game is actually going to fall on the 4th of July, which is pretty incredible. So Except be I can't go. go my, my church is in New Waverly, Texas. New Waverly puts on the greatest fireworks show you will ever see. It's literally right across the street from the church. It sounds like you're in a Civil War battlefield. Cannons going off. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and assure you that a a much greater fireworks show is going to happen in downtown Houston. NRG doesn't put on in 2026. It's not called NRG. What's it called? I think you meant to say Houston Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Something cool about this, though. Glenn Davis just tweeted right before we started recording about the World Cup and about how special it is. And I do think it is important to note, like, I've, I've grown up watching the World Cup. Some of my earliest soccer memories are being at soccer camps with my buddies and watching World Cup games and, like, staying up, like, overnight to watch these games. 2002 stands out. 1998 stands out. And to the fact that we're going to have World Cup games played in our backyard is, like, it's unreal to me. It's yeah. It's crazy to think of. We're hosting World Cup games in Houston, and I live in Houston, and I can go if I can find ways to afford it and get there without with all the traffic and everything. Like it, it is just a surreal thing to go from watching these games and like thinking how cool it would be to attend a World Cup match to now being like in the city where it's going to be happening. Let alone, obviously, probably not going to be able to go to this one, but a round of sixteen you know, game on the 4th of July. Like that's just, that's scripted and that's so cool. And I can't wait. You could be there. Don't sell yourself short. Scroggins, how do you feel about the final being in MetLife Stadium? Is that New York? It is not New York. It is New Jersey and aggressively New Jersey. And if if I re- recall correctly, it's a cursed stadium because all of the uh, football players NFL football players seem to destroy their knees and ankles on that field. And I know there will be a layer of grass on top of that, but it's just too much of a risk. And yeah, but I mean, it was always going to end up in in New York. It was just always going to happen. Jake, you got anything to add about this final being at MetLife? Yeah, I do. It's the only thing that makes sense. And people acting like otherwise blows me. People, there was the rumor that it was going to be in Dallas. In Dallas. Imagine, if you will, that the World Cup was being held in England and the final was in like, I don't know, Brighton instead of London. That would make absolutely no sense. On top of all of that, it wouldn't have even been in. You want to talk about how New Jersey isn't New York? Sure, that's fine. Is Arlington Dallas? Oh, my God. No. What? The fact that it was ever going to be there made no sense. I'm glad it's in New York. That's better. It's it's not in New York. All right. Jump into a more level-headed take. Kyle, the finals at MetLife, but the opening games at the Azteca. How do you feel about Mexico getting the first game? I think it's cool. I think like I have I have no qualms with this. The Azteca is a world-renowned stadium and kicking things off there, I think makes a lot of sense. They're going to get I think like seven or eight games at the Azteca, which is pretty cool. I 
think that the opening game should have been at that really cool mountainous Monterey stadium yeah, because it just looks awesome. And Monterey is getting, I think, five or six games too. But that stadium looks super cool. But the Azteca makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think the Azteca is probably the most iconic soccer stadium in the North America. Does Mexico count as North America? Yeah. yeah Are you a uh, geographical man? Yeah, technically, I think it does. <laughs> yep. You know, I don't know. Latin America likes to be their own thing. I get it. I don't want to be looped in with a bunch of other people either. I get it. Anywho, I do think it's a crazy iconic stadium. Lots of memorable moments in their history, their storied history. So good on them for snagging that. And to be honest, when I saw the news, I was kind of just surprised because I forgot that it wasn't just USA hosting. But USA, Mexico, and Canada are all tag teaming this event, which is really cool. A great show of unity, I feel like. And I think that's one of the things soccer's supposed to do is bring people together. The World Cup's kind of a emblem of that, or that's not the right word for that, but a like a, a model of that. And here we are really showing that off. And I think we're going to see that a lot in the future. Last question before we get to my favorite part of the podcast. What do you guys think about USMNT's group stages being in the West Coast, LA, and Seattle. Do you think that's fair? Or would you rather they mixed it up? I'll start with you, Kyle, like to give more Americans a shot at going. Yeah, I think I, I get your point there. Having a third game played elsewhere so that you could kind of get some, uh, like, you know, diversity across the states. But maybe it also makes sense to try to limit the movement for the boys and try and keep them in a singular time zone and relative weather consistency although seattle and la are very different places so but you know time zone wise time zones get get one weather pattern as far as i can tell um, so <laughs> you get one it's time, a straight it's a straight line of weather yeah the rain starts in seattle and works its way down the time zone into la so that's i think how uh, weather and time zones work as far as i can remember but i'm I'm not too fussed by it, although it would be cool if they were closer to Texas so I could make an easier trick to go see them play. Yeah, for the 2% of Dynamo Faithful fans, just so y'all know, that that are not in America, sorry. Just so y'all know, America has like 16 different time zones and it's massive. We are massive. So you got to keep it all in one place. And I didn't even think about that, Kyle, but that makes a lot of sense. Jake, what do you think? The you weather think? and time zone thing? Yeah, I think it makes no, sense. No, not the weather and time zone. <laughs> that makes, no, that makes no sense. Wrong. LA is literally on fire all year long, and Seattle is like a little girl crying. Just constantly. Or boy, doesn't have to be girl. I'm getting looks from Jake. <laughs> the, the rain. That's the what rain he's talking about. Is a lot like the Seattle. rain is like, is like the tears. The rain in Spain falls mainly on Seattle. I don't think LA deserves two games. I'll say it. I'm cool with them staying in one time zone. I, honestly, I would even be cool with Seattle getting two games. I think that Seattle has been enough of a soccer city for the last decade that they deserve it. I, I don't think LA has earned two US games. And also the the travel thing, like those are pretty far apart. Yeah, I think two games in Seattle, a game in San Francisco, or yeah, I, I don't think LA deserves two games. It's not a great sports town. And it's not really a hotbed of U.S. soccer support either. Man, Jake Barry trying to find some rivals out, out on the West Coast. Scroggins, you can wrap this. What do you think? Yeah, I the ambition of this 
26 World Cup is ridiculous to me. Was it 2006? Was that the World Cup that was held in Germany? Correct? Mm -hmm. I think it was. Put it in perspective. Germany is about the size of like Wisconsin, right? It's, it is not that big. And they held an entire World Cup tournament there. And here we are trying to hold a, a World Cup tournament across an entire continent. And it just makes it prohibitive for fans to be able to get and see their teams. I mean, like we're, we're hosting games in Mexico city and, and then as far North did Van, was Vancouver. One of the, I think Vancouver is one of the host cities, right? Mm-hmm. For I Canada. So, yeah. I believe mm-hmm. so. Like that. That's ridiculous. I think Briz, everybody complained about the travel required for Brazil in, in uh 2014, but this is, this is going to like make that look like a short little jaunt. I think the ambition is, is a little full party. And it, to me, it, you know, that, that coupled with the new f- format that will be introduced, it just waters down the tournament a little bit for me and, and makes me kind of sad, to be honest, because it's, it's going to be impossible for the majority of USMNT supporters to be able to go and see them. Can you imagine what the housing costs are going to be in LA? Like, how much is it going to cost to rent a hotel room? How much are the airline tickets going to cost? Because we're hosting this on such a large scale it's it's just ridiculous and and it makes me really sad it i feel like it's just kind of spoiling the whole event so what you're saying is it should just be hosted in texas texas only i hear you and i agree that Amen. sounds like yeah. the best solution. absolutely we we could do it i mean texas is about the size of france like the travel would be manageable and we have all the facilities that we need done and done if the football stadiums are wide enough for a soccer field, it wouldn't even be hard. But if they're not, it would be pretty hard. Like the college football stadiums. I think they are. Well, that was a great way to wrap up that little segment. And that moves us into the fun wrap up. This is a really enjoyable one. So the round of 16 matchups in Houston. That's the 4th of July. I want to hear what you think the best matchup would be for that day. Kyle. This was your fun wrap-up, so you get to give us the answer first. Yes, can do. And to clarify just a little bit, I want to hear best matchup and worst matchup. So what's the game you most would want to see in Houston on the 4th of July 2026 in a round of 16 game and the game that you'd be least excited to see? My game that I would be most excited to see. It's super low-hanging fruit, and I'm glad I'm going first so I can get this out of the way. It's USA v. Mexico. It is USMNT versus L Tree in Houston. What an intense game it would be. I would be scared for my family's safety and my own because <laughs> I would be going so crazy, and I would draw so much attention to myself. But I have been to... I've I've been to a game at Energy where it was I think it was USA v El Salvador and followed up by Mexico v Honduras and uh, or it could have been the other way around but it was a it was a very intense shift in atmosphere and so I just I just can't imagine what you know the classic rivalry of US versus Mexico could be like in that matchup and similarly my least favorite matchup that could happen would break my heart in the scenario where U.S. has been knocked out of the World Cup and somehow 
the two other host nations play in Houston, Mexico Ooh. versus Canada playing yeah, on the 4th of July would absolutely break my heart. And I would, I don't know, I'd, I'd boycott outside of the stadium or something. All right, Jake, give me your matchups. Yeah, first, I just want to say I'm not going to that game with Kyle because the last time I went to a game with Kyle, it was versus Real Salt Lake. And I think that we almost incited a riot in the stadium by taunting the opposing fans after Coco's goal. I don't want to be within 100 miles of a U.S.-Mexico game with this man. He does not bring out the best in me. (laughs) I I (laughs) gotta say. They were from Utah, Jake. What were they going to do? Listen. I get the U.S.-Mexico thing. That's our big rival. But it's 4th of July. And the only answer for best game is U.S. versus England. That, that, yeah. That's the only answer. Um, just once again, cementing, you don't own us. We're independent and better than you at everything, even the sport that you created. And most of our country doesn't care about. We decided to care about it just so we could be better at it than you. I think that would be nice. As far as worst possible games, so an interesting thing about this upcoming tournament is that it's expanded. There are, last I checked, the number of teams participating is roughly 78,000 that are all going to be at the World Cup. We're just letting everybody play. If you want to get together like a beer league team, I think you can represent your bar at this World Cup, which means that there are such lovely available matches as the Dominican Republic versus Dominica. That one would be rough. I don't think anybody would know who was who or what was going on. (laughs) Who scored? Dominica. But which one? Which one? I I also, and this wouldn't be a round of 16 match, so I'm fudging on the rules a little bit. I don't think Kyle would be mad. It even allows for a three-team group, Guinea, Guinea Bissau, and Papua New Guinea. Um, So I think those are probably the the matches I would like to see the least. Because I just don't want to explain to my wife what's going on between those countries. All right. Chris Scroggins, give me your best and worst matchup for the 4th of July, round of 16. Yeah, so Jake and Kyle took my top two, and I don't want to be repetitive. So in the spirit of producer Ian playing Assassin's Creed Unity, I'm going to have to say my favorite matchup would have to be France versus France, the French Revolution. And the winner gets a little guillotine trophy and and wears a wig like Robespierre. But yeah, that would be my, my favorite. Top one on the 4th of July. That'd be really fitting in some kind of twisted kind of way. And then Sprague's afterwards, we best can all... matchup is a civil war. In a, in a... <laughs> <laughs> we can all stand and read the Declaration of the Rights of Man together after the game. It'd be great. You know, some dude that writes a paper would get murdered in his bathtub. It'd be fine. And that's a deep cut in two kinds of ways. One, one the stabbing. Second, the history joke. Anyway, the worst matchup... I think with, with the expanded format, I, I mean, probably going to be something like they, they needed so many teams is going to be Trinidad versus Tobago or <laughs> or something like, like you know, God forbid it to be like Belize versus Uzbekistan and, and everybody's just really confused. So it's unbelievable the number of teams that are in this tournament. So, yeah, you didn't have that one in the chamber. You thought of it on the spot. Oh, yeah, that's impressive. All right, Jake, you said it, but let me take you guys back to a sweaty room in Philadelphia. The doors are locked. The windows are closed. It's hot. There's big men in that room making big decisions. There's a piece of paper scrawled out over a podium. 
And a man by the name of John Hancock writes his name so big that everybody knows this is me putting that on there. It becomes basically a meme throughout history. And that happened on the 4th of July, 1776, American independence. You know, it's a beautiful day in history. And I would love to see that happen again in 2026 in Houston, America, the US MNT versus England, the, the Lady Lions, as they're called. And I would just love to, to stomp them out and put them down and, you know, and just remind them, you know what? No taxation without representation. Come and take it. You know what I'm saying? I know that are you saying we're playing are you saying we're playing the women's team? What's happening? It's gonna feel like it after we put the the lionesses and six gold on them. (laughs) No, lady lions. Lady lady lions. Girl lions. They're gonna surrender. We're not gonna see the end of the game. It's not gonna go 90 minutes. They're gonna raise a white flag like they did at Yorktown so many years ago. And I'm I'll probably shed a tear. You know, I wrote a poem for our game against England in this previous World Cup, and I might do another one if we match up against them on July 4th, 2026. That would be absolutely incredible. And the worst matchup? Well, shoot, that's got to be Mexico versus England. We hate them both so much in terms of footballing. You know, got nothing against them outside of that. But, yeah, if El Tri or El Tri, as I just heard Kyle call it earlier, goes up against England, you know what? I would... I would shed other tears, sad tears for that matchup. And that's it. We've had our fun, and now we're all wrapped up. Be sure to like and subscribe and share us with all your Dynamo-loving friends. We love you guys. Stay tuned and stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Below. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. Call me Randy Johnson. I'm about to repitch this one.